0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Crossover Crosstime podcast. This is our Tuesday edition of Week 16, uh, coming at you from January 31st, last day of the month of 2023, first month of the year, of course, January. Um, Telling you stuff you already know. Let's go ahead and get started. We have, uh, let's see, nine, no, eight games. Sorry, eight games from last night's action to cover Monday night. Um, We've got some interesting notes from... uh, I mean, all these games, but a few games in particular. Um, so let's get right into it. Firstly, the Orlando Magic win in Philadelphia against the 76ers, an impressive win for Orlando. They've had a few of these this year as a team that's still kind of outside that playoff picture generally, but has more and more shown some impressive fight. And of course, their rookie, Paolo Vancaro, continuing to be impressive for them. Uh, Even more impressive in this game, they were down as much as 21 points at one point uh, to one of the best teams in the NBA right now in the Philadelphia 76ers. They came back uh, to take a lead at the end of the third uh, and then managed to control much of the fourth quarter to steal this game in Philadelphia. Uh, For the Sixers, strong game from Joel Embiid, 30 points, 11 rebounds, five assists, two steals and two blocks doing his thing as you'd expect. Um, James Harden had a nice game alongside him 17 points eight rebounds six assists Uh, a few a few less assists than we're used to with him this season but still a nice game Tobias Harris 17 points six boards Um, 10 points off the bench for Theibel but those are the only uh, double digit scorers meanwhile for Orlando uh, the aforementioned Paolo Banquero, 29 points nine rebounds three assists a steal and a block uh, on very efficient percentages, he continues to impress uh, for the Magic. They got some strong contributions from uh, Moritz Wagner off the bench, 22 points. Franz Wagner, the younger brother with 19 in the starting lineup, uh, and 12 each for Wendell Carter Jr. and Markel Fultz. Uh, Fultz also picked up 10 assists in this one as the Magic, as we mentioned, stunned the Sixers at home. Great win for them. Next, the Brooklyn Nets. When uh, you would say easily, that's a little bit of a, uh, you know, unfair to the Lakers, I suppose. But they were shorthanded. The the Brooklyn Nets win at home against Los Angeles Lakers, 121 to 104. The Lakers without their two star players, LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Uh, So, you know, their their supporting cast could only do so much. Uh, the Nets themselves without Durant, but they still have Kyrie. They have Nick Claxton, who's been impressive this season. Um, and the Lakers made a fight of it during the third quarter, but then the Nets pulled back away and uh, won the game here. For the Lakers, they had a good effort from their guys, seven guys and double figures, 17 rebounds for Troy Brown Jr. Very impressive for him. Um, leading scorer for the Lakers overall was Thomas Bryant, 18 points, nine boards. Uh, But for the Nets, just too much from Kyrie Irving uh, and his supporting cast, Patty Mills and Cam Thomas. Those three combined for 68 points, uh, Kyrie with 26 points, and Cam Thomas and Patty Mills each with 21. 14 from Royce O'Neal, 12 from Yuta Watanabe, um, 12 boards for Nick Claxton, and 14 boards for De'Ron Sharp. Uh, And so the Nets get the win at home against the Lakers. Next, this was an overtime affair, the Sacramento Kings uh, win on the road in Minnesota against the Timberwolves, 118 to 111. And, uh, you know, like we said, overtime, pretty exciting game, Uh, 11 lead changes in this one, both teams led by as much as 10 at certain points in this game. Uh, For the Timberwolves, great game from Anthony Edwards, he continues to impress in the last few weeks of basketball here, 33 points. Eight boards, five assists, two steals, and two blocks. Gobert, a nice game as well, 19 points and 14 rebounds. Uh, Russell, a bit of a rougher game, uh, and not a wealth of scoring support alongside those guys. Meanwhile, for the Kings, uh, the nice team effort that you would expect with the Beam team, 32 points uh, for De'Aaron Fox. He led the way in scoring for them. Uh so bonus, another double-double, 17 points, 13 boards. Uh 13 points, 13 boards for Keegan Murray, the rookie who's come on very well uh this calendar year as well. 19 points off the bench for Malik Monk and the Kings. Light the beam. I I gotta question that though. I don't know, do they light the beam if the team wins uh on the road, or do they only light it when it's at the home arena? I need to get some clarification on that, but regardless, the beam team itself gets a win against Minnesota nice win for them as they continue to be impressive this season. Um next the Golden State Warriors uh win in Oklahoma City against the Thunder 128 to 120. Um when I think Thunder Warriors I think um 2016 and the the regular season and playoffs between those two teams how heated that was certainly this is a different era. The Warriors although they're struggling they're still a better team than the Thunder. Uh, and they dominated this one as if they were the Warriors that we've been used to. 21 point lead at uh, one point in this game. Thunder made it closer in the fourth quarter, but the Warriors still come out on top for the Thunder. Uh, Shea Gildas Alexander doing what you'd expect 31 points, seven assists, four rebounds, three blocks. Continues to be an impressive uh, shot blocking guard. Uh, Josh Giddy adds 21 points. And they got 19 points from Jalen Williams. That's L E N will Jalen Williams, um, in that starting lineup, two other guys, double figures off the bench, but for the Warriors, um, Clay Thompson had a nice game again, 28.7 boards, nice percentages. He was six of 14 from three, but eight of 14 from three was the other splash brother, Stephen Curry he had 38 points, 12 assists, eight rebounds and a block, uh, Great game for him. He continues to be uh, one of the main factors in the Warriors being a successful team. Good to see him. You know he hasn't really missed much of a step after he had uh, that injury with his shoulder that took him out for you know several weeks. Um, good to see him back playing at an MVP level. Draymond Green, seven points, nine rebounds, twelve assists, doing his thing, and fifteen each from Andrew Wiggins and Jordan Poole as the Warriors get the win on the road next this was a noteworthy one and you might not think it'd be noteworthy from the teams involved uh washington wizards and san antonio spurs so wizards in san antonio and they win 127 to 106 um not overly noteworthy the wizards are a better team than the spurs this year both teams not ultra stellar as far as the records are concerned but this is historically significant this is the first time the wizards have won in san antonio since 1999 and i don't have uh information on any kind of other head-to-head matchups as far as if that's the longest streak in nba you know in the nba currently i'll have to double check on that maybe have that as a a footnote for tomorrow's episode but it's got to be up there i mean it's been more than 20 years 24 years about since they won in san antonio um Interesting note I saw from, I believe it was the NBA's website. Um, there were 12 players in this game, uh, seven from one team, five from the other. I forget which teams were which, but 12 total players in this game who weren't even born yet the last time the Wizards won in San Antonio. Just remarkable stuff. You, you got to highlight that when it comes up, that kind of history. Um, regardless yeah nice win for the Wizards Um, sort of competitive in that first quarter then the Wizards built a lead and pulled away Um, for San Antonio it was Keldon Johnson 26 points four boards four assists he's the the bright spot for them along with the rookie Sohan he had a nice game 17 points five assists Um, 16 points 11 boards for Zach Collins and uh, Stanley Johnson had 10 points but for the Wizards uh they had seven guys in double figures 25 points for denny avia off the bench that's a career high for him 21 points for bradley beal 17 for perzingis 16 for kuzma and uh 12 off the bench for kendrick nunn as well uh kispert and monte morris also got double figure scoring and they get the win in san antonio next this was also a, a noteworthy game the dallas mavericks Defending home court against the Detroit Pistons, 111 to 105. And Luca has another big game. It was a pretty close game, um, you know, within four or five points in the last couple of minutes. Um, but Luca doing his thing, just too much for the Pistons to handle, I suppose. For Detroit, uh, Boyan Bogdanovich, 29 points. As usual, he led the team in scoring. 18 for Sadiq Bay and 14 for Jaden Ivey, uh, but for the Mavericks, yes, Luca, 53 points, eight boards, five assists, two steals, uh, and stellar percentages as well. 12 points for Dinwiddie. Those were the only two double-figure scorers for the Mavericks, but 53 from your your star. That's going that's pretty good, and that's going to help you win nine times out of ten, I would say. Um, so yeah, another great game from Luca. And interesting note during this game. Towards the end, after he hit a, a key basket, he <laughs> had some some words to say with Pistons assistant coach Jerome Allen, um, and there was some you know questions about it in post game interviews. Apparently, uh, Doncic says that Jerome Allen had been uh, quote unquote chirping throughout the game, had been saying some stuff. So Luca decided to say something back towards the end of the game. He also got a little bit into it with, um, oh, who was it? Uh, Isaiah Livers. So kind of an interesting one, a little bit chippy at the end. Uh, but regardless, the Mavericks get the win at home. So a nice win for them. Uh, a couple more games to talk about. The Phoenix Suns win at home against the Toronto Raptors, 114-106. to uh, Back and forth game, 16 lead changes in this one. Uh, pretty much all of those in the second half. Uh Suns had a big lead in the first half, and then it was, as we said, back and forth. Um, but the Suns still get the win here for Toronto. All starters scored in double figures. Uh, the leading guy being Fred Van Vliet, 24 points, 12 boards for Precious, Precious Achiwa, and 19 points for Pascal Siakam. Meanwhile, for the Suns, uh, Mikael Bridges, 29 points led the way there, 22 points and 13 boards for DeAndre Aiden, and 19 points and 9 assists for Chris Paul. Two guys with 11 each off the bench, Dario Saric and Damian Lee, and the Suns get the win against the Raptors. Finally, the Portland Trailblazers win at home against the Atlanta Hawks. This was a pretty exciting one, too. Um, And it was, well, the lead, as far as, you know, who led the game, Trailblazers led it pretty much the whole way, but it was close. In those last few minutes, Hawks were competitive throughout, even though they never really held much of a lead, if any. Uh, for Atlanta, though, DeJounte Murray stole the show with Trey Young sitting out this game. He had 40 points, eight rebounds, seven assists, great percentages. He was five of eight from three. Um, they had five other guys in double figures, Bogdan Bogdanovich, 23 points off the bench, 15 boards for Clint Capella. So the Hawks were very competitive in this one, uh, but so were the Trailblazers, of course. 42 points for Damian Lillard. The the guard duel there was very exciting. 22 for Jeremy Grant, 21 for Anthony Simons. 12 rebounds for Josh Hart. Again, he's always a standout with the rebounding for whatever reason. Uh, 10 points off the bench for Shaden Sharp, 12 for Yusuf Nurkic. And the Trailblazers beat the Atlanta Hawks in Portland, and that wraps up our action from last night's set of games. Again, eight games Monday night. That was January 30th. And that covers everything there. Let's go ahead and move into our uh, key news over the last day or so. Firstly, the player pool for the Rising Stars games has been selected. Uh, if you're not familiar, this has been a, a game that's had a couple of different formats over the years. It started as the rookie challenge, you know, simply rookies versus sophomores. And that was the format for most of its history, about 20 years. And then it was changed to uh, Team USA versus Team World, It's undergone a, you know, I think that might have been the, the second iteration. There might be one more in there that I'm missing, but the most recent iteration, the Rising Stars challenge is simply, uh, well, not simply, it's a little more complicated than it's ever been. They have rookies, sophomores, and a selection of G League players. Uh, so in total, there's 28 players and they have four teams and then they do like a mini tournament type, uh, type, thing. So there's more basketball to be seen. The idea is hopefully it's a little more competitive. Um, it's kind of interesting. And I think it had some, some intrigue last year. Maybe it will grow into something that lasts or maybe something else will come along that they think fits the, uh, the goal of it a little bit better, but I guess we'll have to see. But regardless, the players that have been selected uh, from the G League, first of all, uh, City Sissoko from the Ignite. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that right. Scoot Henderson, Mojave King, uh, and Leonard Miller. All those are G League Ignite players. Then we have Kenneth Lofton Jr. from the Memphis Hustle, Mac McClung from the Delaware Bluecoats, and Scottie Pippen Jr. from the South Bay Lakers. So those are your seven G League players, and those will make up their own team, I believe. Next, uh, there are 11 rookies. Paolo Bancaro of the Magic, Jalen Duran of the Pistons, A.J. Griffin of the Hawks, Jaden Ivey of the Pistons, Walker Kessler of the Jazz, Benedict Mathurin of the Pacers, Keegan Murray of the Kings, Andrew Nemhard of the Pacers, Jabari Smith Jr. of the Rockets, Jeremy Sohan of the Spurs, and Jalen Williams, that's L-E-N, Jalen Williams of the Thunder. Those are your 11 rookies. And finally, the set, uh, NBA sophomores, there's 10 sophomores. These are Jose Alvarado of the Pelicans, Scotty Barnes of the Raptors, Josh Giddy of the Thunder, Jalen Green of the Rockets, Quentin Grimes of the Knicks, Bones Highland of the Nuggets, Evan Mobley of the Cavs, the Cavaliers, Trey Murphy III of the Pelicans, Alperen Shangun of the Rockets, and Franz Wagner of the Magic. So those are your 28 total players. Again, I believe the G League players will automatically um, be their own team uh, let's see. Yeah. Seven in- NBA G League players selected by the NBA league office will comprise the fourth team. So the other three will be drafted um, by uh, their coaches and the coaches have also been selected. Uh, Pau Gasol will be one of them. Joakim Noah, another and Darren Williams, uh, all with solid NBA resumes of their own. And the G League team will be coached by Jason Terry. Who has been a D League head coach in the past? So, the the coaches are selected, the players are selected, and now, excuse me, we'll just have to wait for that when it comes All Star Weekend. So, congratulations to all those players and coaches for being selected for that event. That's very exciting for for all involved. Should be a lot of fun. Uh, next, a couple of milestone moments from last night's action and we'll have a couple more on tomorrow's show to talk about as well uh firstly for the lakers russell westbrook has passed gary payton for number 10 on the nba's all-time assist list so russell westbrook is top 10 all-time in career assists so congratulations to him uh for passing that uh landmark that excuse me that milestone and then for the warriors Stephen curry has passed to wilt chamberlain for number one all-time on the Warriors franchise all-time field goals made list, so congratulations to Stephen Stephen Curry. Um, continues to further solidify his name as one of the greatest in Warriors history, right in there with Wilt Chamberlain and Rick Barry and those guys. So, congratulations to both those players for those remarkable achievements. Um, next in the vein of the All Star conversation, uh. For the Celtics, coach Joe Mazzulla will coach team Giannis in the All-Star game. He has officially clinched that spot uh, with enough separation from the other teams in the East before that date when those coaches are determined. Uh, meanwhile, for the uh, West, which would be Team LeBron's coach, that is still to be determined since the race between the Nuggets and the Grizzlies, most likely the picks there, uh, those teams are too, still very close at this point. So probably within the next few days, we'll have... Uh, a locked in coach for team LeBron. So, um, but again, congratulations to Joe Missoula for being a uh, named to coach the uh, coach team Giannis in the all-star game. That's pretty special. And finally, uh, one small transactional note, the Dallas Mavericks have signed forward Chris Silva to a 10 day contract. So, uh, you know, congratulations to him getting a, another crack at the, at the league. And that takes care of our key news. Um, we'll move now to our award chase conversation. This is what we have kind of scheduled for our Tuesday show. And in the past, I'll be honest, I haven't had a you know real structured plan for this. Uh let me get a drink real quick. Making sure my throat can last through the episode. Um We haven't had a ton of structure. I've just kind of looked through and said, oh yeah, most most of the race is still the same, the same kind of guys are leading. I thought I'd have a little bit more of a plan this time. And what I thought I'd do is give some love to some guys who are either not front runners or maybe aren't getting as much discussion as I feel like they should in the, the conversation for these specific awards. We'll talk through six of the main ones, MVP, defensive player of the year, rookie of the year, six man of the year, most improved player and coach of the year. So we'll talk six people for each of these. We'll talk one person each for these six total. There we go. Make sure I'm clear on that. So six people, one for each award, that I think should get some love in this conversation. Maybe they're part of the the mix. Maybe they have kind of been forgotten. Um, but regardless, they're not necessarily front runners. Maybe some of them are close to that. But firstly, we'll talk MVP, and you know the the names that have been talked about, especially the last few weeks: Jokic, Embiid, Tatum, Doncic. I mean, those are your main group; those four: um, Jokic, Doncic, Tatum, and Embiid. Those—that's your your top group, I would say. Um, but I wanted to give some love to John Morant. You know, he's been—you uh, know—the lead guy. He's just continuing to exceed, I suppose, exceed expectations. Once he got going, people knew that he was special. And once he was starting to kind of fulfill on that uh fulfill that promise, then you know, people were like, Okay, what we thought we saw at in college is probably gonna translate well to the NBA. So this is kind of expected at this point. But um uh, he's brought Memphis uh further up in the the playoff mix and maybe we might have anticipated them. Uh, at the beginning of the season we certainly thought they'd be a good team in the west but they're currently second and they were right there tied with denver for one uh for a a few days there that it was pretty close and there's still a chance that memphis can overtake if they continue to have a strong season they slipped a little bit they lost uh, a string of games recently again i apologize uh memphis fans and organization if i jinxed you at all but um They've been a good team. Their their conference record is not stellar. Uh, the Nuggets have a much better conference record than the Grizzlies. But regardless, overall they've got a nice uh, a nice record going thirty two and eighteen. Um, and you know th- the big thing with Jaw, he missed a good amount of games last season. He's missed a handful this season, but he's been I would say on the whole more available. And his stats, he's scoring. Uh, pretty much exactly as much as he did last year. His percentages are a touchdown, but his assists are also up uh, without much change to his turnover. So he's distributing a lot better. He's still rebounding, defending pretty well, and he's scoring, but he's an even better distributor. And the Grizzlies on the whole are doing even better as a team. And so I wanted to give him some love in that conversation. I'm sure he gets, you know, some, some praise and some – you know, conversations in some circles about the MVP race, but we should be talking about him. I think a little bit more with this MVP conversation next for defensive player of the year. Uh, I wanted to shout out a guy who recently got an extension uh, a veteran extension got rewarded for a franchise that he's been with his whole career. And he's been stellar with, and that is miles Turner. He has twice led the league in uh, he, he's, the, he's had the blocks title twice in the league uh, in his eight years, his eighth season in the NBA. And this season he continues to be a very strong defender, perhaps not as statistically standout as he has been in the past. Uh, This season, two and a half blocks per game, uh, 0.6 steals. Um, But he's been on a team that much of this, you know, for a good chunk of the season was one of the better teams in the East. They have slipped in the Pacers, but, um, yeah, he's been great defensively as has been kind of par for the course. Uh, I'm, I am going to try and do some advanced stats with the um, defensive numbers and, you know, try and sell you on the fact that this is uh, more than just a statistically great defender, but I'll be completely honest. I don't always know how to read the advanced stats very well, but I'll give you, give it my best. He's, this season got, so far, 1.7 defensive win shares, which is ahead of his pace from last season uh, in about the same number of games, so that's pretty good. He has more win shares uh, total. He's got one more win share already up to this point, same amount of games. Um, his, let's see, his block percentage has been down a little bit, but um, there's, where, let's see, where is that stat? There's There's a stat that has to do with, like opponent percentage versus a player. um not sure where to find that exactly, but defensive box plus minus, yeah, not sure what that one. but the the wind shares, I think that's pretty good that he's got one more wind share and uh, a, a touch more of a defensive wind share, and he's better offensively too than uh he was last year and he this is he plays 42 games last year he's played 43 so far this year he's been more available that's probably a big plus as far as uh his name in the Defensive Player of the year conversation and again for a good little while the Pacers were one of the better teams in the east so um again hopefully my fumbling through that didn't hurt my uh vote for or at least my you know Shout out for Miles Turner. And again, with all of these, I'm not saying that they should be the front owner, but I want to give them some love and some respect in this type of a conversation. So that's where I'm at with Miles Turner. Next, I'm going to show some, uh, some favorite team, home team bias with the Jazz. Of course, I am a Jazz fan living in Utah. And we're going to talk about Walker Kessler, who more and more has been Uh, very impressive for the jazz. He's a seven, one center. He's been starting more games lately and his stats are very good. I mean, he's averaging 20 minutes a game. And in those 20 minutes, he's got uh, almost eight points and seven rebounds along with two blocks, two blocks per game in 20 minutes. That's, excuse me, very impressive. You can imagine if he was playing 30 minutes, um, Who would have the potential to be averaging, you know, two and a half, maybe three blocks could be one of the top guys in the NBA in blocks per game. He's certainly, I believe still leading rookies in blocks. Um, He's been a great rim protector. He's shooting very efficiently. Um, Of course, he's very selective with his offense. He's, you know, pick and roll when he's got an open dunk, he'll, you know, take an occasional little hook type shot or a, a bank layup type shot, you know, He's he's not a a go to scorer by any means. I would say, even though it's early, he's still offensively a little more confident than Gobert ever felt, at least to me as a Jazz fan. And I don't think the comparison's there yet. I mean, Gobert, even though he's struggled at times to find the fit in uh in Minnesota, he's still, of course, one of the better centers in the NBA uh one of the great s- defensive centers in the n b a and he's uh still head and shoulders above Walker Kessler in this early point of Walker Kessler's career. but Walker has been a nice addition and kind of a surprise for this jazz team. He was one of the the acquisitions uh from that trade uh the gobert trade, the very you know recent draft pick by Minnesota. He'd only been with the organization maybe a week or two. Uh, I don't remember exactly, but yeah, they they get him in that trade as a recent lottery pick. And so you knew would he'd, he'd be solid, but he's been very solid. I liked his fit with Utah. And so again, rookie of the year, it's a pretty clear front runner in that race with Palabancaro. And then, you know, maybe Matherin behind him, but Walker Kessler should be in that top five, maybe even top three. You'll move him up to three with how well he's played, maybe even above Jaden Ivey. That could be controversial, but I, I could argue that. Um, so yeah, I just want to give him some love there next. Let's talk sixth man of the year. Uh, I want to talk Tyrese Maxey. Of course I've already advocated for Russell Westbrook and I think he's by this point, maybe the front runner. Um, you can also talk, uh, Norman Powell of the Clippers. Uh, there's one or two other names as well, but Maxey he's, uh, I guess he's started, more games than he's come off the bench. So maybe he's already kind of eliminated from that conversation. But I think lately he's come off the bench. He's uh started 22 of his 30 total games played. I think if he comes off the bench the rest of the way, he could become eligible for the sixth man of the year. And so I might be wasting my breath with this, but he's um his percentages are a touchdown from last year, but he's scoring more. He's you know just a little more aggressive. He's comfortable still in that Philly offense. And you'd have to think that he's with the team playing as well as it is that so that would help his case. Um, you know, he's just a young player that I really enjoy watching. I like his offense, um, even though I'm not old enough to remember anything about Andrew Tony or know too much about his game. There's things I've heard about Tony and seen in some footage that, in some light aspects, reminds me or makes me think of. Tyrese Maxi in some ways and the probably main thing is just you know uh like an instant offense type guy even though Tony was a starter for those Sixers teams there's something you know a light comparison there that again might be naive but but I like that comparison and, and more so I just like maxi and what he brings to the Sixers so again just want to shout him out I know it might be you know he might be ineligible because he started a bunch of games but Depending on how he finishes the season, maybe he moves into the conversation. Hard to say. Next, most improved. This is a guy who more and more, um, I feel like I'm sounding like uh, Chris Collinsworth. Now here's a guy um, for your NFL fans, but Alperen Shangoon of the Rockets, who's starting at center for them. He started a few games for them at center last year, but he's starting this year. His minutes are up and his stats are up. And so there's probably a correlation there that's easy to write off and say well he's he's playing more so that's why his stats are up but i think it's a little more complicated than that it's he's up to 28 minutes per game versus 20 so even though he's starting it's not a giant minutes increase he's scoring 15 points per game instead of nine nine rebounds instead of five and a half the blocks and steals are about the same but his assists are up uh what assists per game More importantly, his percentages are up. He's shooting 57% from the floor, 31% from three, 74% from the free throw line, 3% increase on free throws, about a 7% increase from the three-point line, and 10% increase from the floor. So overall, on the whole, he's better there. I don't know if I specified the most improved players, where we're talking about uh, Shane here. And more than that, In the last stretch of games, I think he's been especially impressive. And let me pull up those games so I can give you exact numbers. Um, If you highlight his last, let's see, nine games, let's go nine games. Across those nine games, he's averaging 19 points, 10 rebounds, seven assists, one and a half steals, one and a half blocks. Those are great numbers. And especially for a Rockets team that has been kind of struggling to find itself. Heck, you could even go back his last 11 games, and it's about those same averages. The assists go down just a touch, but um, he's been great, and he's a negative plus-minus throughout all that because the Rockets only won one game in that span. And so perhaps his, you know, increased stats aren't winning direct or leading directly to winning basketball, but it's also one of the worst teams in the NBA right now. And sorry, Rockets fans, that's just kind of the – the case at this point but they you know he's been a standout for them i think he's right there at this point just maybe a little bit behind jalen green as far as the most uh promising prospects for this rocket scene and just wanted to shout him out and say you know as far as most improved i think he should be somewhere in that mix um, the last name we'll talk is for Coach of the Year, and that's Mike Brown. And I know that he's already going to be in the conversation. He might be higher up than I'm thinking. Right now, it seems like you'd have Joe Missoula, um, maybe we'd probably have Jacques Vaughn, Baker Staff, maybe a bit of Doc Rivers. That's your Eastern Conference. And then the West, you'd have Michael Malone and Taylor Jenkins and then probably Mike Brown. So he's in that, you know, top five ish group, I would say. Um, but for me, he would maybe be my number one pick, um, him or Joe Missoula. And I'm just kind of, you know, selling you on this now, but you can't understate the importance of the Kings potentially making the playoffs this year. Um, You know, you hesitate because you don't want to jinx anything, but they're 28 and 21 right now. They're third in the West, third ahead of the Clippers, the Warriors, the Mavericks, the Suns, all of those teams that were, you know, predicted to be top Western Conference teams. The Kings are ahead of all of those at the current moment, and they're at least a game and a half ahead of all of those. Uh, They're as much as two and a half games ahead of the Suns. Uh, they have a fifty-seven percent winning uh, winning percentage. They've won seven of their last ten, so they've continued this pace. They've been on pace and steady throughout much of the season. Um, you know, they started off kind of middle of the road where you'd expect, and then they've just been pretty great throughout the rest of the stretch. And so, and you look at the roster, it's pretty close to what it was last year. I think it was it was last year that the Halliburton Sabonis trade happened. So there's maybe a factor as far as Sabonis being more acclimated to the team. You can factor that. But outside of that, it's you know De'Aaron Fox, Sabonis, Harrison Barnes, much of the same cast of characters. They draft Keegan Murray. They bring in Monk and Herder as free agent signings. Those I would think in my head wouldn't move the me- the needle towards third in the west you know it wouldn't move it that far it would improve the team but not quite that much and i think you've got to give mike brown a lot of credit for what the kings have been able to do a cohesive team basketball you know the the fun and excitement that it brings to sacramento that fan base has a fun kings team to watch they have a hopeful team and the team has an identity the beam team you know and there's something about it and um You know, I've already talked on multiple occasions about Sacramento and wanting the Kings to be good and being excited about the Kings being good. And I'm not even really a a Kings fan, Um, but I just am happy for that Sacramento fan base and for that organization to have this winning culture and this winning team. So regardless, I'll leave that at that. That's my argument for Mike Brown. And again, just wanted to take some time with our award chases to Firstly, have a little bit more of a structured plan, but secondly, give some love to some guys who are, you know, somewhat in the conversation, but I think should definitely be getting a lot of recognition in that mix. Um, Okay, let's go ahead and wrap things up for this episode. That's most everything we have. Uh, We'll firstly, uh, as part of our ending, do our This Day in History fact. This Day in History, January 31st, we're going just a few years back to 2015, uh, January 31st of 2015, a 91 to 85 win against the Philadelphia 76ers moves the Atlanta Hawks to 17 and 0 for January, they were undefeated in 17 wins in January. And that set a new NBA record. The Hawks mark uh, Mark helped them pass the 1971 to 1972 Los Angeles Lakers who went sixteen and zero in December nineteen seventy one, as well as the twenty thirteen Heat who went seventeen and one in March of twenty thirteen. Uh, so wanted to add that one because I actually do remember that. That's within my you know time frame of uh, personal recollection of the NBA, and this is when I was really starting to follow the NBA a lot more closely. Um, And I remember that Hawks team. It was the team that was just kind of a surprise team throughout the year. They finished that year number one in the East. Uh, I believe they played the Cavs in the conference finals that year. Of course, they lost to the Cavs, who then lost to the Warriors in the finals. But um, still a great Hawks team. And we forget the great stretch of Hawks playoffs that they had from about – uh, would have been like oh five oh six to about 2017, 2018, you know, about 10 years or so where they were in the playoffs most every year and had competitive teams. And we think of times in the past where the Hawks have been not great. Um, We forget about the times when the Hawks have been good. And they're in a stretch again where they're, you know, consistently not as great as that other stretch. I mean, they're kind of bordering on playoffs this year. Uh, might maybe in that play in picture, but um, yeah, it's still competitive. But regardless, that is it for our This Day in History fact, and that is it for our uh episode for you today. Uh, tomorrow we should be joined by uh Justin as we do our you know normal game summaries, key news, and then we'll uh hopefully have a lot more to talk about with our trade deadline. I have a few ideas as far as our trade deadline type discussion that's coming up, just uh a little more than a week away so it's getting much closer at this point um we'll of course also have our weekly predictions for you um each week we each try and come up with a a prediction for kind of the season going forward uh could be more short term could be longer term um but we'll have again you know game summaries key news uh trade deadline talk and the predictions for you on tomorrow's show. Uh, But with that, thanks again for listening. All of you, we appreciate you supporting the show. Uh, One last comment. If you want to check out uh, our Instagram account, that's crossover across time, all one word, uh, no capitals on Instagram. We have uh, posts relating to content from the show, as far as power rankings, MVP, things like that. But we also do our best to uh, like and share content from the NBA teams, teams, nba in general and uh, nba history related stuff on instagram so if you want kind of a one-stop shop for your nba uh information go check out the instagram account but of course the podcast is even better as far as getting a little bit more in detail uh conversation about the nba in general Uh, but with that we thank you for listening and we'll be back with you tomorrow